you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Hey guys, thanks again for tuning in. It's Roger. Well, not so long ago, I interviewed George Deeb, and he's from a company called Restaurant Furniture Plus, which is the online largest source of restaurant, hospitality, and hotel furniture on the planet. Well, in our first episode, George was doing a survey of 30,000 restaurants all about their experiences with COVID. But in this episode, we're talking furniture. Maybe you're thinking about renovating your space now that you have limited service. Maybe you're looking for a new look. Well, regardless of what you're looking for, whether it's something commercially available or custom manufactured, George is the guy to talk to. He can fit your theme. We're going to be talking about durability, functionality, and of course, budgets, because everyone has a budget, right? Well, chances are, once again, if you're looking for furniture, check out this episode. Don't miss it. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and these are engaging topics that help restaurants build their brands, rock their profits, and deliver amazing guest service experiences. Now, every restaurant, of course, needs furniture, and we have never done a furniture episode, so I'm super excited to introduce Mr. George Deeb, and he is the co-CEO of the largest online furniture source, and that is called Restaurant Furniture Plus. Welcome to the show, George. How are you today? Roger, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you very much for the invite. Well, thank you very much for the content we're going to cover today because, again, it's highly relevant and our audience, you know, whether we're starting our very first restaurant or we've been in operation for years, we're going to need furniture. We're going to need to upgrade the existing furniture we have. Maybe we do a complete rebranding of the restaurant and all this plays a part. So we're really glad to have you here. Thrilled, thrilled for the invite. I'm excited to share whatever I can with your with your audience. Now you've got an amazing company. You serve some of the top restaurants and hotels and leading sports teams. So you've definitely got an A plus reputation out there. But let's begin by uh, defining what exactly is restaurant furniture, George. Yeah, you know, re- restaurant furniture is different from consumer grade furniture in that it's designed to last this, the test of time and heavy usage and the weights of heavy people, et cetera. So, you know, most, most restaurant furniture is, is designed to handle weights north of 250 pounds and handle heavy usage. So that, that's the primary difference is it's built to last. It's built of higher grade metals or, or better quality products or finishings or whatever it is so that as they're being used in a restaurant, they will look good over time and you won't have to replace them very quickly. Uh, and when we're talking about the furniture in a restaurant, it's pretty clear it's tables and chairs and booths and stools and everything you need for food service so that your your audience has a place to sit. So wear and tear, obviously, has to factor into this equation because cleaners come in and they have to pick up the chairs and put them on the tables and we constantly pick them up and put them down and sometimes they fall off the tables and these things can't splinter and break and, you know, you can't be constantly replacing your furniture. It's got to, like you said, stand the test of time over many, many, many years, if, uh, you know, if not a decade or more. So thank you very much for, for starting that. So let's talk about how a restaurant or a hospitality operation, you know, will determine what they need, how much they need, and all that. Let's talk about floor plans and the whole design process and start to finish. Where do you go with a typical client? 
Yeah. All right. So, so many of our clients typically engage an interior design agency that helps them lay out what the concept's going to look like. And in, as part of that process, they're building a floor plan uh, on what the estimated uh, amount of square footage is and how many tables and chairs they think can fit into that space. Um, if they don't have that interior designer, we can help them or connect them to an interior designer to help them design that floor plan. But that's the first thing. You got to make sure you've got that floor plan locked down because that dictates everything else. You know, where the walkway is going to be and how much space do you want to have in between tables to have a comfortable setting. Uh, once we receive that floor plan, then, it, then it's easy from there is we, we, we know the quantities. We know how many tables. We know what the sizes of those tables are. Are they a two top or are they a four top? And that dictates how many chairs you need. And is there going to be a row of booths or not? And is there a bar in the restaurant that's going to need bar stools? And the floor plan will dictate the furniture from there. You know, I remember back in the day when I was running these restaurants, I did it the e well, I shouldn't say it was the easy way, but we did our own calculations with graph paper. We mapped out the space, the square footage of the space, and then, you know, with that, that, uh, that formula of, you know, one square equals so many square inches and all that kind of stuff, and you figure out how much space around each table but that's got to be the old school way. I don't think anybody does it that way anymore. But we did that with boots and we did that with tables. And surprisingly, it came out pretty good because we did not work with an interior designer back then. Yeah, for sure. Graph paper still works today. I mean, that's the old school way of doing it. Uh, a lot of the higher end design firms have fancy softwares now where they, yeah, will lay out, sure. they will lay out the table and chair specs and automatically calculate the spacing and the distances, et cetera. But yeah, either one works. So it's a challenge because depending on what type of chairs and tables you select, I mean, dimensions must vary dramatically. And, you know, we're trying to balance so many variables here because you want a certain aesthetic design and you've got to fit it into a certain space and you got to fit the, you know, the, the size of all these pieces have to fit unless you change your mind and go to something smaller or, you know, find a balance in the middle. It's got to be changed. You know, it's got to be challenging for you to work with these people sometimes. Well, it, it's, it's a challenge from the perspective of we need to coach them on kind of what the right solution is for them because not all spaces uh, are created equal. Correct. You know, two different 2000 square foot spaces may have different needs, right? The way they're laid out, where the door comes into the facility, you know, that kind of stuff. So we have to be flexible to meet those needs, number one. Number two, uh, we try to sell furniture that is flexible for them that can be easily uh, modularized or customized. So for example, you know, do they buy a four top that's a, a current, you know, a seating for four table that's fixed? Yeah. Or do we get two, two two tops and put them next to each other because they want the flexibility of turning a two top into a four top into a six top, depending on how their, their demand is coming in through the course of the day. So we work with our clients to learn what their needs are and sell them what works best for them. I'm glad you brought that up because a critical point of running restaurants, of course, is flexibility in seating people. As people come in, you want to maximize your seating and serve, you know, the most people you can because it's all about sales, of course. 
And you need that flexibility to be able to put tables together easily. You know, the staff need to, like you said, put a two top next to a four top or a four top next to a six for a big party. That definitely plays into the equation. Which also struck me with something you said about every space not being equal because people put restaurants into so many, such a variety of different spaces and they convert spaces sometimes and they have limitations. Like there's a wall here that's a load bearing wall that you can't knock down. I got to work around that. And then uh, the entrance to the kitchen is right here. So I can't get in the way of that. And it's like, do you work, you know, do you request uh, very detailed photographs? Because you're not on site on every job. Locally, yes, but not, you know, across the country or, or across the world kind of thing. I mean, do you request detailed photographs to get a real feel for the space? We, we are typically one step beyond that. The interior designer has done that. They have yeah. gone in and they have actually looked at the space or... Uh, it kind of created some uh, viewpoint in terms of how they see the space getting laid out, given all those you know restrictions. Uh, once it gets to us, that floor plan is usually designed, and it's relatively easy for us to just to fulfill the supply from there. Hmm. Now, who's your typical client? Are you working with owner operators? Are you working with general managers, sometimes chain operators, uh, regional managers when they want to design multiple spaces for a, a singular concept? All over the you know, do you work with? All types of clients like that? Yeah, we have a w wide range of clients. So on the restaurant side, it could be a single location corner pizzeria in Manhattan. It could be a huge chain where either the corporate office or the franchisee of that chain needs some furniture. Uh, it could be a small chain. You know, those are our favorites are the smaller growing chains because, you know, we offer a service in what we're doing in terms of helping them solve a lot of the problems and taking work off their plate. And those small chains haven't built up their big in-house procurement departments yet, and they need that help. Whereas a big chain has already kind of built up those in-house procurement uh, departments themselves. You know, within those, within with, with outside of the restaurant furniture business, the restaurant space, you have food services happening in all kinds of different places. It's happening in stadiums. It's happening in schools. It's happening in venues. It's happening in city parks. You know, it's happening in government. You know, there's. Wherever you have tables and chairs, if you corporate cafeteria, it doesn't really matter. As long as food is being served, people need to be able to sit down and eat it. Okay, George, on the flip side now, I'm a new potential client, and I'm going to contact Restaurant Furniture Plus. Who am I going to deal with, and what's their expertise? All right, the first person you're going to engage with is one of our project managers, right? And that's a real distinction for us. I mean, a lot of our competitors in the space – they sell products, right? They're in the business of putting products up on their website and here's all my tables and chairs and you know, here's my price, take it or leave it. And if you need any support, they, there is no support. You, you got to know exactly what you want and there's no flexibility. In our, in our model, we've created a free furniture sourcing service where we work with over 100 vendors, over 10,000 products, all the different design styles that you could possibly need in one roof. So that when you come in and say, listen, I'm opening up a new location. I don't know exactly what I need. Help coach me to what, what is the right strategy for me. Who are the best vendors for those particular design styles? Can help me get the best price. Set up all the shipping and the logistics so I don't have to deal with it. If something goes wrong from a claims perspective, I want you to deal with the claims. I don't have the time to deal with it. And we really act as an extension of their in-house department, right? Where we, we want to be seen as them, not as a vendor, right? So we have very deep 
uh, partnerships with our customers, very customer service centric. And that project manager that their first meeting when they first call us is managing that project for them. Is there a typical timeline to, hey, I need furniture for a new concept and this is what I'm thinking. And that kind of process takes some twists and turns because practicality wise, budget wise, all these kinds of things. But is there a typical timeline of, you know, I'm going to ship you the furniture. You should have it on such and such a date once you place the first call. Like, give me an idea of that. Yeah, and that that's a that there's a couple answers to that question. There's the timeline I'd like as the seller, and there's the timeline the customer wants as the right. buyer. So I'll right. kind of I'll kind of give you both answers. Okay, please. So, so most of our customers are planning two or three months ahead. That's that's a that's a nice normal process. Within two or three months, we should be able to track down the inventory that they need. We should be able to get on their delivery schedules and, and no problems. But, you know, a lot of our leads come in from Google and people are expecting kind of an Amazon.com experience where they can come in last minute. You know, they need 100 pieces. It needs to show up yesterday. And those kind of those kind of projects create all kinds of challenges for us because our vendors, the manufacturers in this industry, are not set up for that. They're, they're not set up for quick turnaround or making sure they're in stock on a last minute kind of basis. So, you know, maybe half of those projects are fulfillable and half of those aren't just because they didn't plan far enough ahead. Now, the flip side of that is if I was coaching a client and I said, if, if price is the most important thing to you, then it shouldn't be two or three months ahead. We should be planning two or three years ahead. Let's, let's, let's figure out how many units are you planning on opening over the course of the next couple of years. Let's get a volume-based order based on those two or three years worth of demand. You don't need to pay for them all up front, but at least sign a contract that says, we're committing to you. Here's the, here's the opening schedule. We're opening one a quarter. So we're going to have eight units over the next two years. And with that amount of volume, when you're playing eight units at a time instead of a single unit at a time, tremendous pricing advantages can be had, uh, both with the established manufacturers in this industry, or we may be able to actually import some of these products for them because we're planning it far enough ahead to get them an even better price than if they were buying from some of the U.S.-based manufacturers. As with anything in life, timing is most important. And planning ahead and being strategic, of course, I'm getting that from this. Let me combine two questions here. And I want to talk about typical design styles because you mentioned that earlier, but then there's also trends. What's trending now? And to tie these two questions together, is there a depth of options or are there certain styles that used to be trendy and now they're not manufacturing as much of it anymore because the demand just isn't there? Because of course, everything is based on supply and demand. So how do, you know, a client has, wants to go traditional, but now contemporary is the hot trend. So am I limited with traditional? Let's talk about styles and trends. All right, perfect. All right, let's start with the styles first. So, you know, there's about five or six kind of major design styles that are in the market today. Okay. That could be traditional, like your nice normal ladder back chair. It could be industrial, like a Tolex metal bar stool. It could be rustic, something you kind of see in kind of a farmhouse, you know, kind of antique kind of feel. It could be modern, you know, really fresh 2020 kind of contemporary designs. Those are typically more resin or, you know, more interesting modern shaped designs. Uh, there's a lot of retro products, mid-century, 1950s kind of look and feel to kind of give your, your facility a kind of an older vibe to it. Uh, those, are, those are some of the high-level styles. And those styles change over time. So that's now we're getting into the trends question. Sure. So 
you know, we, we purchased this business in 2018. In, in that particular year, industrial was the most important design. You couldn't sell enough industrial. It was those Tolex metal bar stools and chairs right, and things right. like that. And there's a reason for that that the Tolex products are, are the most affordable, right? If, you were, if, you're, if you're looking at the cost of a build-out, the, the design styles have various, varying price points. So industrial will be your, your, most least inex, your least expensive. So those are the most affordable that people are, are, are mostly looking for. But your mid-century modern, those antique retro kind of looking feel, those might be your most expensive. Right. So, it, it, you know, so when you think about that, the price per unit might be $100 on the industrial side and it might be $500 on the mid-century modern side. Mm. So, you know, it, it's not it's not like you can just walk in and say, I need this particular design style. You need to find a design style that works within your budget. And and oftentimes the, the client wants the Rolls Royce product at, at a Volkswagen price. And they have to make a decision in that case. They either have the budget for a Volkswagen and we're going to sell them a Volkswagen or they're going to have to spend more to kind of get the Rolls Royce look and feel that they're looking for. Um, in terms of trends we're seeing, you know, so industrial is, 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 is in a decline, less, less demand for industrial. That seems to have been overdone. Hmm. Um, we are seeing more demand for kind of mid-century modern designs. Uh, some of the vendors have kind of knocked off some of those older designs and more affordable price points. So we're, we are seeing some more demand for mid-century. That farmhouse look and feel is seeing more and more demand. So we're seeing demand for farmhouse. Um, there's a demand for reclaimed wood and the oh, yes. eco-friendly kind of, of aspects to furniture. Why, why use new trees and new wood when you can bring old wood back to life and kind of save the environment in the process? So we're, we're seeing demand for reclaimed wood. Um, technologies are starting to change the purchase of furniture. Uh, people are incorporating wireless charging stations or, you know, people are designing smart tabletops where it turns the tabletop into something that might be an oversized uh, iPad kind of thing. So we're in the very early innings of some of those technology innovations, but that's sort of where the future is going. Do your people have design skills as well? Because you're working with a lot of interior designers and the end client's goal in my case, it would be matching sort of a style to a concept, especially if it's a brand new concept. You want the customers to come in and it all has to be cohesive and they want to get the concept, but I'm thinking the furniture has so much to do with bringing the concept to life. So it's a combination of the designer sort of describing what the client's looking for, but then you being the expert saying, I know what's available and this is very, very similar. And I think this concept will match that style. Is that sort of part of the process? It absolutely is part of the process. I'd say half of our customers already have an idea of what they want already. And we're just yeah. kind of executing their vision. The other half of our clients are not exactly sure what they need. Right. So we, we try to play that consultative strategic partner to them to help them coach them through their options. We will show them different styles that might work within their design concept, and then they can pick from there and that points us in a certain direction. Let's talk about materials, George, because obviously durability has to enter into the into this cleanability or ease of cleanability or, you know, are some of these or most of these products treated for ease of clean or non-staining, all that sort of thing, functionality. I mean, all this enters into the equation of what you're going to buy, right? What's the material? 
for sure. All right. So there's there's a handful of materials that most furniture is made with. So wood is your is your biggest uh, material that comes in many different colors and types of woods and stains and all that kind of stuff. But wood is one. There are fake woods, which are like laminates, right? right? right. So you, you don't have the budget for wood, but you want the look of wood. You can get a laminate that looks just like wood for a fraction of the price, right? That's the second category. Maybe you want a metal look, right? That more industrial kind of metal product, right? That's a, that would be the third uh, material. And then the fourth would be like your plastics and your resins, more modern kind of fresh kind of look to the to the to the facility that can have many many different colors and designs and shapes and and it, it can be molded into whatever it needs to be molded. So that those are those are your primary materials that you're being used for. And and you're right, they got to be designed to be cleanable and movable and stackable and all the things that restaurants need to kind of run their day to day business. So right off the bat, durability and price sort of come together and you mentioned the laminates as an alternative to wood can you are you trading off durability by lowering your budget by going with a cheaper material that isn't real wood is a laminate less durable than a real wood is a plastic or resin less durable than real wood no the i would say the durability is largely consistent across the materials different being excellent what you're sacrificing might be I don't know, authenticity or a, a real look and feel of something, right? There's certain designers or certain restaurateurs that it has to be wood. I'm not going to put laminate in my restaurant. Right, right. The, the, the problem with that mindset is the, the laminate industry has advanced so far in the last few years that I can show you a laminate tabletop and you would not know it's not real wood. Wow. Right. So the, it, the, the, the technology continues to improve and the look continues to look more authentic. And it, it's really a great affordable way when you're on a budget. You know, I came across a company a couple of years ago that actually has these self-leveling table bases. And that's an issue in every restaurant. And I thought that the technology was pretty incredible back then. And it automatically, it was sort of an air bladder thing that automatically adjusted the level of the table. So it was always level, you know, it was pretty amazing. I saw them at the NRA show a while ago. Do you have any issues with, you know, leveling furniture? Because spaces are uneven, you know, not every floor is even. 100% correct. One of our leading, one of our leading manufacturers of table bases is a self-leveling table base. Awesome. We sell more of that product than any other product in our table base collection because Fantastic. of exactly that point. Wow. Stores are uneven and you know, you don't want your customers putting their menus underneath the, the table base to kind of level off the table or napkins to kind of make it level. So yeah, it's a very important part that when you're buying the right table base, make sure it's self-leveling if you can. Excellent. I'm glad we talked about that. Let's talk about budgets. All right. Every space is different. All types. You, you mentioned over 10,000 products. I, I, I know there's a range here in price, but I mean, some people are on a tight budget. Other people budget unlimited, you know, super yep. huge successful businesses and everything in between. But what can we expect to pay in different ranges for different types of furniture? Okay. So let me, let me answer the question this way. We sell such a broad range of products that our average price per item 
is about $150, okay? It might be as inexpensive as $50. It might be as, as expensive as $500. But on average, it's about $150. And that's skewing more with a lot of industrial product at the, at the lower price point than more mid, mid-century modern at the higher price point. But that, that's, sort of, that's sort of the range on a, on a per-item basis. When you think about that at the, at, the whole, at the whole store level, how many, how many total products do we really need? You know, the average build-out could be as inexpensive as $5,000. It could be as, as expensive as $50,000, depending on the products that you're needing, the size of your facility, uh, the, the, the quality of the product and, and the grade that you're buying and that kind of stuff. So there's a pretty wide range there. But on average, your furniture is going to end up being between 5 and 10% of your total build-out budget. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how our clients kind of budget for buying furniture. That was super helpful. So there's literally a price point for every customer. There is. Okay, fabulous. Now, what about custom manufactured solutions and that lead time? Is that really, you, you started to talk earlier in the conversation about if you can plan ahead two to three years, you're going to save money, you're going to do all that. Is that part of the custom manufactured or is that a whole different animal? Yeah, all right. So, so on the custom side, there's kind of varying degrees of custom, right? So there's real custom where you walk in with a sketch and say, I want something that looks like this. And we have to build a prototype from scratch and you know, build a real custom product. And you could have a couple months of lead time before you've actually got your product in your hands, right? So that, that's a real custom solution. Then there's, then there's partially custom, which is we have a standard frame and you can pick your fabric or you can pick your stain color on the wood. Uh, and we can, we can do some minor customizations to an established design. Those can be much quicker. Maybe you can get those out in a few weeks instead of a few months. Uh, but it does give the customer the flexibility to have a little bit of input in the, in the finishings that are going into that product. Okay, excellent. This, of course, is an imperfect world, and the unexpected always happens, especially in the restaurant business. But are there any complications of this process that typically happen that we should allow time for, you know, out of stocks or delays or that sort of thing? Just to give that, you know, to give your client an upfront heads up that, hey, you know, there are things beyond our control that could potentially happen. We certainly hope they don't, but we have to allow for it. Well, you just hit the number one issue, which is out of stock, right? So the way to avoid getting into an out of stock position is to plan ahead, right? So, you know, so that, that, that is one issue. The other issue is it might be in stock, but we can't get it to you fast enough. Let's say you need it in a couple days and the, and the factory you're, you're in New York and the factory is in California and we need to get it cross country in a couple days. It's going to be hard to get it on the timeline that you want. Right. So that's, that's a second problem. Uh, the third problem would be damage can happen to anything that's going in transit and shipment. Oh, so, yes. You know, how do you deal with the damages and, and make sure that those products are replaced in a quick kind of time frame? So plan ahead that something could go not exactly to plan. You might need to have an extra chair or two in your, in your inventory. So if something breaks, you've got something ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, then there is, uh, you know, quality issues, right? I, I can't tell you how many people have come to us because they went to another vendor. They thought they were buying a commercial grade chair. It was actually a residential grade chair that didn't hold up. The chair broke. God forbid somebody might get injured or fall in a chair or whatever happens. And had they only dealt with a reputable vendor that was using commercial grade products, those kind of problems wouldn't have happened. Right. So those are that's a good summary of kind of stuff that can go wrong. 
Let's talk about the manufacturing process and where most of the furniture is made. Is this sort of an assembly line situation in certain cases for economies of scale? A lot of these custom manufactured solutions, of course, are handmade because of the prototype and you know what goes into, you got to tool up for something and a lot of it is more, more of a custom process. Is it everything in between as well? Yeah, there's, there's kind of three major ways things get made. Okay, okay. so number one, you know, the big mass produced factories are largely in China. They build in huge volumes. You can get tremendous price efficiencies. Uh, even with tariffs and shipping costs from overseas, those products are typically the most inexpensive products in the market, right? So that's, that, that we'll call that overseas manufacturing. The second is there are U.S.-based manufacturers, right? Maybe something needs to be custom built or there's something unique that's not mass produced and they're mass producing in black and brown, but you need it custom built in red or blue, you know, that kind of stuff. So the, the, there is U.S.-based manufacturers that can do a lot of that custom work. And then there's the in-between where you're importing the parts, you're importing the chair frames or the seats or the whatever it is that are the, the components that are getting imported. And then somebody in the United States is assembling those components and finishing those components here in the United States. Those are the type of vendors where you've got that, that partial custom flexibility where you can pick your fabric you know, you can get your, your stain colors, you know, whatever it is that you're looking for. Uh, you're not importing it in that shape and size. The frame is coming in in that shape and size, but you're putting on the fabric, you're putting on the stain in the United mm -hmm. States built to spec. Now, we know all about your ability and your sourcing service. Do you inventory anything yourself, George? Well, we, we, we have a couple of answers to that question all of our vendors stock inventory. So the, right. everybody that we're working with has inventory in stock, that's number one. Number two, yes, we do have products of our own that we're building our own private label product that we are selling and starting to stock inventory on. We're, that's new for us. We haven't done that historically in the past. Uh, we bought this company in 2018, but you know, a lot of our leads come in from Google and the, the, the demand for last minute and in stock is a really important thing. You know, so we have no choice but to make sure we've got some core base product line of our own so that when those calls come in, we can service those leads. I can tell you we are losing lots of sales because our vendors are not able to handle that, you know, immediate quick ship in stock, last minute kind of nature. So it, it's a mix of the two. So you've seen opportunity, you want to meet that demand, and you got to find that balance between not keeping too much inventory that isn't moving, but knowing exactly what you have to sell and when you can sell it and all that kind of stuff. Which is, a, which is an interesting challenge for our business because, right, right. you know, our, our business to date has been very lightweight. We need to be good at internet marketing. We have to be good at customer service and project management. We haven't had to be real good at product design and inventory and warehousing and all that other stuff that comes with, with the products. So as we, as we make that pivot for ourselves, we're learning a new business and making sure we make the right decisions. How do you advertise and where do you find most? Well, you mentioned Google quite a bit. People are finding you through Google searches, but what, what types of marketing are you doing? Are you doing heavy social media? Are you putting, you know, advertising in trade magazines, that sort of thing? Old right. school way combination? All right. So the, the first and biggest category, we'll, we'll call it digital marketing, right? Yep. So anything that's digital. Is it 
Is it the search engines, both from a paid advertisement perspective or from a search engine optimization, organic traffic perspective across all search engines, Google and Bing and AOL and Yahoo and wherever, wherever people are searching for product, we want to make sure they can see us. That's number one. Of course. Uh, there's a lot of shopping feeds where you can put your product inventory out into those shopping feeds and people are going to those shopping engines and they want a chair and they find our chairs. That's another way to do it. You know, as we start to build some more of our private label products, that will that will open up more margin for us to be able to afford channels like Amazon, uh, Wayfair. You know, some of the some of the big marketplaces where people are looking for products. That's another category that we're trying to get into. Um, social media, you mentioned. Yeah, there's there's definitely a place for social media. It's but you know, social. We're, we're a B two B company, right? We're we're mostly selling to businesses. A lot of the social media success is happening around consumer-related products. So if we were out there aggressively trying to sell consumer furniture for their homes, we would, we would have tackled that social media channel a little bit more aggressively. But the problem for us with social media is I define it as more upper, upper funnel in the way the behavior of the users are. If somebody goes to a search engine and types in restaurant furniture, they're ready to buy right now. Correct. If I push them a message on social media, they may not be ready to buy right now. They may, they may be, there's no opening coming. There's Correct. no model coming. We, we have to market them enough times to get them to the point they're ready to actually make a decision. So, so that we, we have deferred some of that up, upper funnel stuff. Where we're getting more aggressive is kind of in outbound sales. Um, you know, the, the challenges with the internet marketing is there's, there's no quality control into the terms of the types of leads that are coming in. So let you know. Let, let's say we, there are those three types of restaurants: the big, supersized chain, the small mom and pop single location, and the small chain. It's those small chains that are our target customers. So an outbound sales team can target those exact businesses that are ten to hundred million in revenue, that have five to fifty units, that are adding a couple units a year. The reason those are so important for our business are that's where our repeat sales come from. They opened two units in 2020. They opened another two units in 2021, another two units in 2022. Whereas that single unit location, yeah, congratulations. I, I sold something in 2020, but they're not going to need anything else until right. 2030. Absolutely. Right? So, you know, so we're going after those small chains that, that really need the service that we provide. Fantastic. How about, well, you also have relationships with interior designers and you've built a network of people that specialize in designing restaurant and hospitality spaces. And now they're aware of you. They've worked with you before and you have that reputation and that must be growing all the time. And that's organic, right? Yeah, we love the designers. The designers are fantastic partners for us because one, they're busy designing, right? They, they want to do what they do well, which is design these facilities. Uh, they don't have the time or energy to kind of deal with all the, the labor and the research that goes into the products. We, we, you know, they, they lean on us uh, to, for our expertise. and We give them design ideas and help them with their process to make their lives easier. So it's a great win-win partnership with the designers. And obviously, what we like about the designers are they, they've got multiple clients, right? So we, we, we get introduced to them on one project and one client, one brand. And then you have a good relationship with them. They introduced you to a second brand and a third brand, and the, the business takes off from there. It's a beautiful thing. George, is there anything we've missed that you still want to talk about, whether that be furniture or restaurant furniture plus? We've covered a lot of ground here. 
uh, I think we tackled all the important stuff. I'd say, you know, the 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 one thing I would kind of coach the the mm -hmm. audience to is, you know, if I was a restaurant and I was trying to plan my furniture planning for my needs, the, we talked about this before. I cannot overemphasize this. Is plan ahead, right? The the cost savings you can get by planning ahead will dramatically make your business that much more efficient. You're wasting money planning last minute, you know. So you're you're be paying more than you need to when you're buying a single location and and doing it last minute, right? That's that, that's not the most efficient way to buy. I understand you're busy. I know you got businesses to run, but the reality is, if you can if you can plan ahead, if you can think a year or two ahead and work with a partner to help you make sure that that inventory is going to be there at the best lowest bulk price you can possibly get and maybe import that directly yourself instead of working with some of the US based companies with a company like us that can help you get those products imported you will dramatically save your bottom line and and I'm here to help you guys figure that out whenever you need the help fantastic george well i want our audience to find you so why don't you tell us your url and i'll also put that in the show notes to the episode yeah, perfect. You know, if you're in the market for furniture, we highly encourage you to check out our e-commerce website, restaurantfurnitureplus.com. If you want to learn more about our business, our corporate website is rfplus.com. So you can learn more about our team and our clients and kind of the services that we provide. Well, excellent, George. You are a tremendous guest and you've done a great service for this industry because, again, everybody needs furniture. Thanks so much. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you again for tuning in. This has been the greatest challenge to ever hit the hospitality and restaurant industry. No question about it. And I'm going through everything that you've been going through. You know, I was in the restaurant business for two decades, sold all my restaurants, and then just before COVID hits, I buy another restaurant. Well, we've now pivoted multiple times, you know, dealing with government restrictions, limited seating, no seating, closing down entirely, pivoting the operation itself, limited staffing, changing menus, you know, putting out an outdoor patio, all sorts of things. But, you know, it really is all about systems. And the main systems, of course, are dialing in your critical numbers, your critical finances, knowing your daily break even, knowing your prime costs, knowing your labor costs, all those things will help you pivot and make those decisions. So if you need any help, feel free to reach out to me. I love hearing from my listeners. My email address, roger, R-O-G-E-R, -E at restaurantrockstars.com. Ask me a question. Or if you have an idea for an upcoming guest or topic, please let me know that too. Really appreciate everything. And uh, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes. And don't forget to uh, join our new Facebook group called Restaurant Rockstars Official. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to, to the, the Restaurant, Restaurant Rockstars, Rockstars Podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.